Welcome to the Immigrant Stories Program. I'm your host, Walter Gallagher, and my interview today is with Kathy Weaver. Kathy met Jim Weaver, the love of her life, in 1976, and for the next 41 years, they did almost everything together until Jim's death in September of 2017. Jim Weaver is remembered more as Doc Weaver, an outstanding orthopedic surgeon in the Valley and an innovator in orthopedic surgery. Jim grew up in Glenwood and graduated from Glenwood High School in 1947. And he went on to Harvard and then to the University of Colorado, where he earned his doctorate in orthopedic surgery. He met Kathy in New Mexico when he was chief of orthopedic surgery at the University of New Mexico. Kathy sat down with me in late September to talk about her life with Jim and her early memories of his father, Jess Weaver. Kathy, thanks for joining me for Immigrant Stories. I'd like to start where I often start is uh, with your origin story. Can you just tell me about your people and where you came from, how you started? Um, I came from Albuquerque, New Mexico, born in 1944. My parents um, were from St. Louis, and um, my grandparents came from Dublin to the United States, the Flynns. So I was very Irish and very Catholic (laughs) and raised in 16 years of Catholic school in Albuquerque. How was that, being raised in Catholic schools? Do you have stories? Oh, yes. I have lots of stories. Yeah, tell me Tell me a story. Well, when I was in sixth grade, I was in St. Vincent's Girls Academy with my two friends that were my best friends, and uh, Elvis Presley came to town, and he was singing at the armory in Albuquerque, and my two friends went down and were standing on the stage, and when Elvis got off the stairs, um, they each kissed him on, the sisters kissed him, one on each cheek, and it was in the morning paper in Albuquerque, and they were expelled from St. Vincent's Girls Academy. <laughs> and that gives you a little idea <laughs> yes. the rules and rigs. Of... <laughs> exactly. It's <Yeah. laughs> uh, a funny story. Did, did your parents insist on you going to Catholic school? Oh, was yes. That, mm-hmm. What was growing up like for you? Tell me about your parents. Uh, they raised uh, Arabian horses, and uh, we showed. We did halter classes and riding classes, native costume classes. And so we had the National Arabian Champion Stallion and the International Arabian Champion Stallion out of our herd. Wow. uh, Both in the same year. And so we did that, and I was in 4-H for 14 years and learned to sew, and I raised sheep. How did they come by Arabian? Tell me how how that happened. Uh, We had good friends from Lebanon. And they had brought some uh, Egyptian Arabians over from uh, back home to New Mexico. And they became really good friends of ours. And so we started raising Arabian horses. So your, your mom and dad were ranchers. They, mm-hmm. that, was, that was their roots. How did they settle? Their grandparents came from Dublin. And, mm-hmm. and then your parents... Lived in St. Louis. Right. And then... And then my grandparents had a summer home in Albuquerque, so we, they would go back there and stay in the summer home. Oh. And then, um, so we got to know them, and then my brother and I would spend summers with my grandparents in St. Louis. 
It's great. So what what happened after Catholic school? You, what then, did you do? Um, I was, I got, I graduated, and then I had a job, and I was volunteering at night at the Bernalillo County Indian Hospital in Albuquerque, in the emergency room, and I was working in an orthopedic office during the day, and that's how I got to meet Jim, because he was professor of orthopedics at the University of New Mexico. And so I, that's how I met him. Uh, and then, uh, and then, like I said, we moved to Aspen. His partners had been wanting him to come to Aspen for a long time since he grew up in Glenwood. And so we moved back, and we knew we were going to be in Aspen a year. And then we'd come down here, and he'd open an office here, which was exactly what we did. And uh, he worked at, we owned part of Snowmass Clinic, and he worked at the Aspen office. And... I worked at Aspen Valley Hospital at night, typing while he was operating on the people that he'd seen during the day at Snowmass Clinic. And then we'd drive back to Glenwood. Wow. And then we d- I did there. I wrote That's the quite bus. the ride in the, in the dark, isn't it? Yeah. On some days. Yep. So did, did Jim always want to come back to Glenwood? Was that, he did. That was his plan? Yeah, he did. His dad wanted him back here. And uh, so to take care of his mom, he was an only child. And, um, and so they, he always wanted him. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Immigrant Stories program. And my interview today is with Kathy Weaver. Kathy is remembering her husband, Jim, Doc Weaver, and his dad, Jess. Jess was a man who seldom took no for an answer. It was 1947, and Jess had, Jim's dad had graduated from CSU in 1926, and he wanted Jim to go to veterinary school when he graduated from here. And uh, he said, do you want to go, here's a brand new car right after the war, here's a 1947 Plymouth convertible, and you can have this car and go to CSU Veterinary School, or you can take your Harvard scholarship from Glenwood High School and go to Harvard. And Jim looked at the brand new car. (laughs) I forget the fellow's name that owned the car dealership, but he looked at the brand new car and he said, Dad, I gotta go to Harvard. Wow, well his dad was really trying to pull out all the stops, right? Here's a young guy, brand new car. Yeah. He didn't really want him to go to Harvard, did he? No. He wanted him to go to CSU where he'd graduated from uh. and go to veterinary school. And Jim said, I can't, Dad, I gotta go, I gotta take my scholarship. So it took him 16 hours to take the train from here to Denver in those days. And then he'd take the train to Harvard. And then he'd send all his dirty laundry in a back here to his mom in a suitcase that I still had that showed 25 cent stamps. Sent all his laundry back to his mom. She washed it all, put cookies in it, sent it back to Boston. Wow. For four years she did that. Man. So did his, did his dad ever come around? Did Jess ever decide yeah. that? Yeah. But he wanted him to come back here. Uh, what was Jess like, Jim's dad? Jess was a great guy. High energy like a son. Smart. I said to Jimmy, did you get your brains from your mom or your dad? Before I even finished, he said, my dad. He was a genius. Uh. He was very smart. And then he came here. 
in 26. And he started a creamery on Cooper. And he delivered milk and ice cream via horse and wagon and uh, in town. And Jim washed milk cartons. And they lived in the apartments above. Up above. Mm-hmm. Above the creamery. And then they built a summer home on No Name. So they'd spend the summers out there. And then he bought a sheep ranch near Harvey Gap. And in 32, he built, he and his, and Jess's, or Jim's grandfather built No Name Trail. And the one that's that's now called Jess Weaver's Trail. Trail. And when people say, why is it called that? We don't know who's Jess Weaver. No one knows Jess Weaver. And that's why I wanted to talk to you because sure. I thought that's all going to go away if something happens to me and I'm old. Well, and I didn't know him, but I I knew him having grown up around here that yeah. Jess Weaver, right. Yeah. So he he uh, graduated from veterinary school and opened a cream and then came back and opened it. He graduated with an uh, agricultural degree. Oh, so he was, okay. Mm-hmm. But, and uh-huh. uh, he was judging cow shows and right, the cow palace right. and I'm mean, yeah. not the cow palace but the Denver uh-huh. and show stock show and then um, he came here and opened the creamery and then he and his Jess's or Jim's granddad built the no name trail and then in 32 when you say built the no name trail what what did that entail? He just, I guess, <laughs> I mean, I, it's still not great, you know, but he, he just, they just built it. And just the two of them. I mean, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't the like they had a crew or anything. No, no, they just built it. Wow. And, um, and then they built the cabin in 1934 at 10,400 feet that looks down into Grizzly at the head of no name. Wow. And they built that in 34. And then Jess raised horses for the cavalry really? up on top. He'd take the pregnant mares up on top, and we had a night. He had a ninety-nine-year Forest Service lease, and so he raised the horses up there. And uh, they had a, a live spring. We have a live spring right on top, and so there was water and grass this tall, and and then he'd sell the horses to the cavalry. Where did they winter those horses? I mean, that that's some rough territory up Back there. Back down the... by Harve Gap, oh, where okay. he had the sheep ranch. He owned property, not right. There. He owned property down there, where he had the sheep. What were summers like up there? You must have spent a few beautiful summers. Oh my gosh, just gorgeous, and deer and elk everywhere because that was the only water they had on top it was from this natural spring. So we had a big tank that we just kept running all all the time. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Immigrant Stories program. I'm your host, Walter Gallagher, and my interview today is with Kathy Weaver. Kathy is remembering her husband, Jim, Doc Weaver, and their life together in the valley and up on the flat tops. What was Jim's mom like? What was she? she was great. She played the piano and the organ for the Presbyterian Church here. And um, and then during the war, when the two churches joined, 
uh, to the Presbyterian Church to save on heat and electricity. She played the piano and and sang, and but she was very talented in music and great lady. Did your folks come out? Were visit. they able to visit up there? They couldn't get to the cabin because it's you know it's a four-hour horseback ride all <laughs> uphill and it's rugged. You know you have to be pretty strong to make uh-huh. it up there on a horse right. and down on a horse. So a lot of people never made it up there. But yeah, that's quite a you know from about five thousand foot gain. Right? It was from our house on No Name across the creek where we lived to the door took about four and a half hours. It was rugged. Were you comfortable around having been around Arabians? You must have been a horse person. quite a horse person in your own right. So yeah. we were. We you did fit right well. in, right? <laughs> <laughs> we did pretty well. And in the beginning, there was just Jess and Jim and I, and we'd uh, go up there and um, spend the night, and I'd get a headache and be a little nauseated, and I had insomnia. And of course, neither one of them could have said to me, "This is high altitude pulmonary edema." They just said, "Oh, it'll go away." <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't exactly easy those two dealing with them. And then Jess woke up every morning at five, and if we weren't awake, when Jess is up, everybody's up. Everybody. He either got the cast iron pans and started oh, yeah, banging them on the stove. Reveille. On old Annie's <laughs> stove, the coal stove. Or he'd start the chainsaw. Oh, Lord. (laughs) That was to get us up. He was terrible. He was Uh, a maniac. Yeah. But he was a great guy. Yeah, I bet he wasn't so great when chainsaws running at five in the morning. No, I didn't think. And Jim would say, oh, my God, my dad wants us up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's get up. He's settled as a train wreck, right? He's a crazy man. He was a crazy man. But he, so he must have had energy for three oh, or four people, right? Just like Jim. And Jim was that way Jim too, Jim, exactly huh? the same thing. We'd go on vacation, and we'd take two or three couples with us, and everybody would say, okay, who's going to lunge Jim? What does that mean? Well, that? that meant that you had to wear him down somehow, so we spent like four hours on the tennis court, all of us, and he still wasn't tired. And then he'd eat. And then he'd be ready for something else. You know? And I mean, somebody had to exercise him constantly. He that was just like his dad. Huh. Energy, high level energy. Was that hard for you? Were you were you high energy too? How did you? Uh... I think I am, but not nearly that. <laughs> that <laughs> you much. thought you were until you <laughs> I met thought him. I was until I met him. Oh my God, he had energy. Huh. I read that uh, that Jim lost a son. In an accident, can you speak to that? Was that? Yes, he was 16 years old. It was Jess, was his name after oh. his grandpa, and he was climbing in Silver Plume with some friends, and they didn't have any climbing equipment, and they were at the top of 350 feet, and he fell, oh. and um, they helicoptered him to St. Anthony's in Denver, and uh, he lived two days wow. and died. He fell 350 feet mm-hmm. and still lived. Oh. Mm-hmm. He was alive when they got him to St. Anthony's, but he lived two days. And then Jim lost his 43-year-old daughter from breast cancer uh, about seven years ago. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Immigrant Stories Program. 
I'm your host, Walter Gallagher, and my interview today is with Kathy Weaver. Kathy is remembering her husband, Jim, Doc Weaver, and the tragic loss of his son and daughter. Here, Kathy remembers a fateful day in late June of 1978 when Jim took the last trail ride with his dad, Jess. Jim was supposed to present a paper in Lake Placid, New York, on the 31st of June. 30th of June, sorry. And Jess said, I can see the aspens turning green up on top, and we need to go up. And Jim said, Dad, look at the creek right next to your house. It's crazy. The mist, it was so high. It was June 25th. So the runoff was The runoff was, was cranking. crazy. So I said, I'll wait here with your mom on the back porch at the head of the trail and study from my Colorado driver's license. And Jim said, I'll go up with Dad, and when we get to the crossing, he won't want to cross because it'll be crazy. That's and that so, little, the little bridge that's up there a ways? It's not the Forest Service bridge, the oh, first okay. one that you go to. Uh-huh. Um, it, and there were no bridges, and yeah, they, yeah. they were going to cross the creek, just the creek. <sighs> so he said, We'll be back pretty soon because Dad will get there and I'll talk him out of crossing and then we'll come back and then we'll go to Lake Placid and when we get back, we'll take him up. So I said, okay, so I was studying out there with Jim's mom and all of a sudden I saw him coming down the creek at a trot on a horse and we never trotted on that uh, trail. And he got off and he was crying and he said, Kathy, I lost Dad. And I said, now Jimmy, tell me what you mean. And he said, I lost Dad. I got to the crossing, and by that time his mom had come out. And he said, I got to the crossing, and I said, Dad, you can't cross here. Look at the creek. And he said, no, this mare's pretty steady on her feet. And he kicked her, and she started to go in the creek, and he said, Dad, at least let me put a rope on you. And he said, and he just kicked her, and she stepped in, and the water washed the mare and Jess off. And wow. so... He, we could, he couldn't see him anymore, and the mare was standing in the creek. So he came down and got me, and I called search and rescue, and then we rode back up, and we were trying to get the mare. We couldn't get near the creek, and she had lungs full of water, and she had her saddle on and everything. She's still standing in She's the water? She's still standing in the water. So the search and rescue, Butch Blanco and all those Craig Wesley and all those guys came up to help us, and we were throwing rocks at her trying to get her out of the creek, and we couldn't. So Craig drove up on Windy Point, walked down in where the crossing was, and took her, got her out and took her saddle off and hung it in a tree and hit her on the butt, and she went back up to the cabin, and he went back up to his car. And then they set up a screen at No Name and and where no name comes in the Colorado River looking for the body, so we do that every day. And then we couldn't find him. We'd go back up and look. And um, then finally one day I said to the Seville's, Jim's mother's um, minister, I said, is there a point, like it's been 10 days, is there a point when we say we can't, you know, we need to do something? And they said, yes, we can have a memorial. And I said, well, let's do that. So we did. And then about, I guess it was two weeks later, um, 
they had found the body just down in the willows, not far from the crossing. And um, so I, it was either Jim or his mom or me that had to identify the body, and, and then we took care of that and had a memorial. But that's how he lost his dad. That must, that must have really haunted him, though. You know, it did. As a son, he probably, you know, you always, you always go, I, I should have done this, or if I'd only done that. Right. And how long did it take him to, I mean, grief is lifelong, but how, how did he make peace with that? Um, he said that we knew that we would be looking at old photo albums, and we'd say, well, who is this, Jess? And he'd say, I'm not sure who that is, and it would be him. And then we would be jaywalking when we lived in Aspen. We'd come down here every Thursday because it was our day off, spend the night with them at our no-name, and then go back. And we'd be jaywalking across the street, Grand, and he'd drive right by us, and we'd be waving at him, and he wouldn't see us. So then we decided that his mother had eye trouble, but we always concentrated on that. But Jess couldn't see any better than she could, really. So... Just Jim thought that he had that planned, that he knew we were here now and we were able to take care of his mother and that he, if he made it, he made it. And if he didn't make it, he didn't make it. Wow. And that's why. Wow. That's how Jim decided that he decided to kill himself, really. Just, you know, he had a bleeding ulcer and he had, he had epilepsy. And he'd forget to take his pills, and we'd have to go round him up wherever he fell out of a ladder picking tweeches or something. So I think he knew that it was time to go. How old was he when he... He was 78. Yeah. Wow, that's... Yeah. And that gave Jim some peace, huh? To, to yes, know that it... because he knew that that's, he kind of had it planned. He said, when I said, Dad, you can't cross that creek, he knew if he didn't he said if i make it i make it and if i don't i don't wow so, that's quite a story yeah i remember we were coming down uh the no-name trail on our horses and there were two forest service men coming up the trail carrying a sign and they said i'm looking for dr weaver and i said well he's right behind me and they were holding the sign that said the jess weaver trail and they said, we wanted to know where he wanted us to place this sign. And that was in 1982, and we were so touched that the Forest Service had actually named the trail the Jess Weaver Trail. So they, they decided, the Forest Service decided, and you didn't really, you and Jim didn't know. It was uh, Trail 1847 number <laughs> and no name and didn't have a name. And that's why now when people say, who's Jess Weaver? Why is it called the Jess Weaver Trail? No one knows. And that's why. And so we were delighted. That was in 1982 after we lost Jess. And we were so happy about that. What was, uh, what was it like when you first met Jim? What was, it, was it love at first sight? Did yes, you? definitely. For it both was. of you or for you? I think for both of us. He said that. He would say that. He would say, the minute Kathy and I met one another, we fell in love. And um, What do you think that was? What, was? what was it about him that 
He was tall and blonde and really good looking and had beautiful blue eyes. Great body. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that enough? <laughs> that kind of sums it up, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah. Did he have a nice personality? <laughs> he was great. He was funny. He had a very dry wit. And if he didn't talk much, but if you were listening to what he said, it was hysterical, usually. Mm. And mm. he did. He had a very dry sense of humor. Didn't speak much, but when he did, you wanted to listen because it was important. Yeah. So you you uh, took to one another right away. Right Just, away. Yep. You like me, I like you. Yep. Let's make a life together. Mm-hmm. And you did. That's what we did. Yeah. It was great. And then he died four years ago on the 20th of this month. How's that been for you? How the Swimming in the river of tough, grief. Walter. It was tough. Because that was my bestest friend. We were constantly together. Yeah. Being an only child, he didn't like being alone. And I was with him all the time. But you can feel his spirit in, oh, yeah. in particular places. like all, Everywhere I go, really. On the, the Jess Weaver Trail. That's and, why I walk the Jess Weaver Trail. That's why I come here in the summer... That's why I look up on the mountain and know all my relatives are up there, all his relatives and all our dogs. And so I'm at peace here when I'm here for the summer. That was Kathy Weaver. You've been listening to the Immigrant Stories program. For more on Immigrant Stories, please go to our website, immigrantstories.net, or subscribe online wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a story or know of someone who does, please contact me, Walter Gallagher, at wjgallagher, G-A-L-L-A-C-H-E-R, at gmail.com. Thanks to Kathy for sharing her stories with the Immigrant Stories Project, and thanks to David Sheriff for facilitating our meeting. And a special thanks to you, the listener, 